0: Kia ora and welcome. I'm Boris Lamont and this is the New Zealand Wine Podcast. Thanks for joining us for this episode where we're speaking with Chris Archer from Joy Wines. That's J-O-I-Y.co.nz if you're wanting to find out more about them. And this is part one of two, so be sure to check out the second episode when that's up shortly. Chris has a number of years experience in the winemaking business before starting the Joy brand. So right now... Let's go have a chat with Chris. So, thanks, Chris. Nice to have you here. Thanks for coming on in.
1: Oh, it's my pleasure, Boris.
0: So, Joy—is that how you pronounce it? J O I Y. Yes. That's correct. Yeah, yes. Joy Wine. Uh, so that—that's currently what you're doing. But you've—you've been—you've been knocking around in the wine business for a little while. I understand.
1: I have uh, ever since uh, leaving high school. Uh, so, uh, literally, uh, was looking for a job uh, after leaving school. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was actually wanting to be a, an air force pilot, and would s- signed up to the RWAf, which uh, started in April. And I needed I needed work, and I had to get away from my parents' cattle property because I knew if I didn't get work, then I'd be slave labour for them. Where was that? Uh, in, in a little place called Singleton. So, Singleton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's yeah. sort of uh, in the Hunter Valley in uh, New South Wales. And, okay. If you if you Google it, uh, do a Google Earth, you'll see the big grey holes now where all the the coal mines are.
0: Oh, okay, yeah. okay, yeah. right. Oh, and then just for our listeners who might know, New South Wales, Australia. Yep. So, um, in a little bit, sort of, what, what's that? An hour or so out of Sydney. It's know? about
1: uh, it's, it's about two hours now. Two yeah. hours. Yeah.
0: Mm.
1: yeah. Mm. Mm. Okay. So, okay. And, yeah. So in in uh, in I went into the wine industry. Little did I know that I uh, never rocked up to the uh, the air force. Air Force appointment and Didn't. Uh, continued on my my wine world really.
0: So was that a, a local winery? That you'd... it was. Yep. So
1: so in the Hunter Valley, we have the little region, the, the Hunter Valley wine region. And yep. uh, I, I my first interview, um, they offered me uh, years' work and and uh, sort of a, a foot into university. And all of a sudden, you know, I had four years of my life planned for me. Right. Uh, okay. it's <laughs> quite surreal.
0: Wow. Okay. Okay. So obviously impressed with your attitude. <laughs> uh, back back then, wine wasn't uh, wasn't cool.
1: You know, like right. it was very much a beer drinking. Um, it was just at the before the, the the massive sort of growth of the wine industry. In so Australia so when are we know we're talking for when was this? Uh, this is nineteen eighty nine. Eighty nine. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. yeah. yeah and uh, yeah. so they were quite excited to have a, a young whippersnapper show interest in the <laughs> yeah. wine industry, and uh, and it, and the, this company was Tyrrell's which is. Uh, it's one of the leading family wineries in Australia, and yeah. they're they're now probably hitting 170 years, 170 years, which wow, um,
0: and still a uh, still family, still family, wow. still.
1: And uh, at the time, to- at that time, there was uh, the head of the family was Murray Tyrrell, mm. and he was uh, he was known as the boss, and mm. he was the boss of the wine industry. He was the he boss. Was, he was the oh, force. Yeah, okay.
0: Yeah. Oh, great, so, great,
1: and still still going. It is, yeah. I mean, mm. the uh, Tyrrell's are the one of the leading. Um, Chardonnay, Semion producers of Australia, one of the most awarded Chardonnays and Semions of Australia,
0: and still in the in the Hunter Valley, yeah, yeah, still all grown.
1: The Hunter Valley is a unique place uh, as a wine growing region because it um, it's very small, Mm. but it sits on the doorstep of Sydney, this massive market, and so it it was quite innovative in its day, where it traditionally the wine industry very much sells to its local populace. Mm And uh, whereas the hunter realised that it it couldn't supply Sydney, so it instantly started sourcing fruit from all over um, Australia. And it kind of broke the mould of the traditional winemaking model. Okay. And so they were bringing back in the the 60s, 70s, 80s wine grapes, grapes from South Australia and Victoria. And so the winemaking in in that region uh, very much is – you you learnt so many different skills because – you, you can get pigeonholed. You, you make, um, for instance, if you're a winemaker in Marlborough, you, 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 your wineries and your culture are all cultivated around that place mm. and how how people learn wine. It's sort of like uh, it, 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 you, you don't realise it, but you're actually a product of that place. Yeah. And uh, Whereas the, the Hunter Valley became a product of everywhere, we, we learnt skills from different regions and then adopted them into our own and some things worked, some things didn't. But it basically made the winemakers very clever and and I think insightful to fruit and winemaking, right? Which was a um, if you look at the the Hunter Valley winemakers around the world and what they've done, they've always been the cutting edge. And they're leading,
0: yeah. So it sounds like if you'd planned to get into wine, you couldn't have landed in a. In a <laughs> I, I was place. very lucky because Tyrells
1: was um, they had the premium side where they were you know uh, wine leaders of the country on the on the flip side they are also a family company that was uh, we were making long flat red and white which was um, the second largest red to Jacobs Creek and long flat white was around about fourth at the time and so that's very different philosophies you're, you're having a very commercial monetary driven production driven product for the masses and then on the flip side you're then also um, uh, focusing on that really high premium side of winemaking, and so you you saw both worlds um, as a winemaker, which I think is again really crucial.
0: Right. Okay. Okay. So you got so you obviously got some really good experience there. You you stuck around there for a while. You seven years. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And and did you. Did you study as well? Were, yep, yeah.
1: So, so Tyrells, uh, we I went through um, Roseworthy College back then, which mm-hmm. was there were two options in the Southern Hemisphere, which was Wagga Wagga, which was kind of a more fledgling uh, degree at that time, and then you've got uh, Roseworthy, which was the institution and mm-hmm. and was set up by the legendary uh, Bryce Rankin, mm-hmm. who 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 Bryce Rankin pretty much is responsible for New Zealand and Australian wine industry. Without him, we wouldn't be where we are today, right? Right, okay. One of those little stepping stones.
0: Because of the college?
1: Bryce Rankin applied for a monetary um, application from the government to go and study from France. And so he went, he went over to France, he, he was opened, armed into Bordeaux, University, Burgundy, all, all the places, and he literally scalped all the information from those universities and then came back to Australia and built a wine science degree mm. based on wine. And, gotcha. and that pretty much fed all the sort of like the traditional families that were kind of modelling themselves off the traditional uh, French winemaking model of family knowledge passed down. And these families then sent their kids to a university, and then right. they got skilled up, and that's pretty much what led to uh, Australia and New Zealand making faultless wines yeah. versus the European ones, and that was the real turning point where all of a sudden Britain fell in love with New World winemaking, and France was going, "What's going on?"
0: Oh, interesting. Yeah, because you know a, a lot of people have come through Roseworthy that have, you know, New Zealand winemakers, Australian winemakers, yep. obviously, and. Yeah, yeah, John Hancock, I think was yep, one of the yep. early ones there.
1: Yeah, yep. yeah. So interesting, John Hancock. That's uh, uh, so. I came to New Zealand to become senior winemaker of Morton Estate. Ah, okay. So which was where John John Hancock then had moved on down to to Trinity Hill and um, right right. That was kind of so. so this is the the, <laughs> yeah. the
0: wheels of <laughs> yeah. uh, of our
1: industry. It's quite funny.
0: Yes, yes. Yeah. So so just jumping back then. So you you did your seven years at at Did you study? Um, obviously, learnt learned yep. quite a bit from from um, a family who'd been making wine for a for a long, long time. Yep. yep. Yeah. And then
1: uh, was, I, I got to this point at uh, at Tyrrells where uh, I realised that uh, I could die here. You know, it's sort of like uh, all the seats were warm. And interestingly, uh, if I go back to Tyrrells now, they're all still there. The cellar hands, the, my my senior winemaker, or my, my winemaker when I was the cellar hand for the Vat Forty Seven, is still the chief winemaker today. Oh, yeah. yeah. And so it. My fears were correct, um, and there, there was one fateful moment where uh, I almost got the, the job. But, so I was quite ambitious back then, and and we put in a new press uh, Tyrrell's which uh, sat beside the lab. And uh, as as usual, you know, the press was installed, you know, five minutes before harvest started. And uh, it was placed up on Besser Blocks. And uh, this seller uh, hand called Biffo, who, everything seemed to happen to Biffo. Funny <laughs> enough, he's still there. <laughs> and uh, he, the, this empty press was rotating and he hit the stop button. And this, the, the, the vibration of the press, one of these Besser Blocks shuddered. And this whole press fell down on two <gasps> and was just balancing about to fall into the lab where there was Murray Tyrrell, Bruce Tyrrell, Spinner, Tomo, all the all the winemakers. And I was sort of at a distance and I could have, you know, if I was quick enough, I could have helped push it over. But um, alas, the press <laughs> fell the other way and I, I thought, oh, well, that, that was my serendipity moment. It's, it's time to
0: move on to greener pastures. <laughs> you were being told something. <laughs> <laughs> so I uh,
1: headed off to... Uh, little... Heads or tails. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, but that's how it is, you know. It's... Yeah. it's um, we... Uh, the uh, so this little upstart company called Pepper Tree had started and uh, it, it had just been bought by James Fairfax. So Pepper Tree, mm. right? Yeah, in the Hunter Valley, and yeah. uh, they're just uh, you know it's having all the toys in the winery is one thing, but it's all you know you got to have the vineyards, and this little vineyard had um, uh, had picked up Audrey Wilkinson, which was this old old sort of derelict vineyard then but it's it's now a leading one in australia for for Semillon. it had all the potential um and Tyrrells at that time were in bidding for a vineyard down in Kunawara, which was one of the top vineyards and we missed out and i'd accepted the job to go to this pepper tree and uh funny enough they'd won the bid for this vineyard that we'd bidded for tyrells and so i was, oh. it was pretty tough we had the the parker block down in Coonawarra and the audrey wilkinson in the hunter and it, it meant that we could really really uh start flexing our muscles as a young whippersnapper company back
0: right then so okay. i was there okay. for about 5 years yeah. and and what was your role there what do uh, you do yep yeah. 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 yeah so
1: i was sort of it was great sort of that's where i i sort of went out and um, I guess, you know, as I said before, you you cultured into your past and uh, I used a lot of the Tyrrell's techniques and, and bought some really um, cool products to, to market. So uh, you but, were their first winemaker then? You, uh, no, no. Yeah. There's, always, there's always a, a – there was a, before – there was a, actually Rod Eastope, and, Oh, uh, Rod Easthope was prior and then he'd gone. But Rod's uh, set up now in Hawke's Bay. Uh, oh. He's got a little family one down there and uh, he's going great guns. And Rod right. and I actually were – um flatmates and, and uni buddies from Roseworthy so right okay yeah um, but it was kind of it was kind of coming a little boutique and and coming into a more uh, commercial serious play at that point in time mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh so w- what did you start
0: producing there, then?
1: uh so god you know in to <laughs> You know, each year we'd, in the 100, we'd be, we'd be making like 30 labels a year. Like, wow. you know, and we were splitting it up. Pepper tree sourced from nearly 23 different regions, wow. vineyards in Australia, from Victoria... Western Australia, South Australia, but from the Coonawarra one, we focused on our Bordeaux's um, Cabernets and Merlots. And we actually, uh, during that time, the Merlot was the focus. We, we were, I was after the Holy Grail of Merlots um, back then. It was kind of like the Pinot of okay. here. Back yeah. then. Um, yeah. And uh, we, we did really well. We, we won the Merlot Trophy in London. We, um, we, at that stage, there were no merlot trophies in the australian wine circuit but oh. we won dry reds and sydney show yep. hobart yeah um and we we're up for the jimmy watson four years running until we finally got the jimmy in 2000 a year after i'd just gone so i was like oh. <laughs> but um uh yeah
0: you do all yeah. the leaden work
1: hey? oh yeah. of course you yeah. know you, you, you as a wine stepping stones you yeah. know you you, you never you know, it's very rare to get everything perfect the first time, and, mm. and there's no such thing as perfect in the wine industry.
0: No, well, yeah, well, every year's <laughs> Although you doesn't... want to
1: chase it, it's it's a it's a mirage.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. What I suppose is, is that partly what what keeps motivating you is just
1: it's used it used to like yeah. back then. I was uh, I was on the hunt for like trophies and 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 styles, and um, I guess I love fusion. I love um, taking taking um, philosophies from, say, Pomerol and philosophies from um, uh, champagne and, and and melding them together. Okay. You know, yeah. it's kind of – I always believe in uh, uh, you're seeing what fruit you've got. You know, you've got, you're have like a chef in the kitchen, like cuisine chef. You just kind of see what you have and you think, right, you know, we do have the opportunity to make this wine here. <laughs> And so every decision and step from viticulture to to winemaking is about channeling it into that place um, as easy and as simple as possible, and then camouflaging the things that don't work and pushing forward, pardon me, pushing forward the, the things that really are the heart and soul of what you're trying to achieve. Right. And right. Um, uh, it's. Uh, to me, that's the real love of wine, is, and and that then is the culture and the story. You know, it's mm. kind of mm. and so I've always loved that that play, and I always like pushing the envelope. Always have done. Mm. You know, I've, I guess mm. looking back now, I've always wondered why I've never really fitted in because I've I've always I've always just um, the situation normal's never been. Satisfying for me, right? It's not, I, not where you want to sit. It's, I find boring, and it's yeah. like you know, yeah. we don't want to repeat what's happening behind us. We, you know, we want to learn, move, mm. push, mm. Mm. and make
0: mistakes. Like. Mm-hmm. Mm. Well, it's always part of getting somewhere else, isn't it? Yeah. Is, is making mistakes along the way. Yeah. Okay, fantastic. And uh, so after so seven years there, and yeah, so then. Um, I, I'd never been, like at that
1: point, I'd never truly gone for a job interview. And so there was this, um, uh, the, the, how the wine industry works is it's typically the, um, the traveling salespeople of barrels and chemicals and, you know, uh, equipment are kind of the, the, ears and mouths of the industry and, uh, um, uh, the the oak, uh, we we basically went I was gave a heads up that the a large winery in New Zealand was looking for a senior winemaker and and so I thought you know it's I've been in the Hunter now you know eleven years and it's time you know it's time for me to I wanted to look at cool climate viticulture and and mm-hmm. wine making and and uh, Pinot I love so the beautiful thing about the Hunter is that um our our harvest is so early it's January February so. The Kiwis get a vintage before their own. A lot of them actually travel to the Hunter, work as our, oh, okay. as yeah. our shovelers and pickers and, yeah. you know, uh, cellar hands, and then they, they then go to move back to, right. to New Zealand. So the Hunter has a lot of amazing Kiwi personnel that have gone through it in the years. And, and, of course, when they come over, they bring their wines. And so we were starting to see these Chardonnays and these Pinots uh, starting to come out, and they were freakishly good for such a young industry. And so, uh, when the opportunity came to to have a crack over here, I, I couldn't resist. Mm,
0: okay, so, uh,
1: Morton, here we came.
0: Yes, okay. So that was that was Morton Estate. Yep, yeah, yep, yep, yep. And okay. um,
1: so that was, oh, I was. it. loved. I had no idea sort of what I was in for. Yeah. And um, at that stage, um, that was based in Caddy Caddy in mm. the Bay of Plenty. Yeah, uh, there was there was sort of like a. Uh, a production facility down in Riverview um, and then they had really serious vineyards down and and at that stage and they still might today but they had they were the largest vineyard holder in New Zealand private vineyard owner so, so whereas a lot of wineries lease and you know it gets quite Complicated the the grape supply arrangements where where Morton was solely owned, which I was really important to me because it gives you a real foundation and, and real control as a winemaker that you've got that that vineyard being grown exactly how you want it. And yeah, so
0: and, right right from the very beginning of yeah. each yeah. each season,
1: yeah, yep. yeah, and uh, and. The uh, what what I didn't realize also was that um, the job entailed uh, method traditional making sparkling, which I had no um, history in whatsoever, mm-hmm. other than you know some bumbling sparkling Burgundies that we did in the Hunter. And uh, yeah. um, so at first I was a little you know uh, the other winemaker down in Hawke's Bay, Evan Ward, who he was ex Corbin's was was quite skilled at sparkling, so I had a good backstop there, and he certainly helped me along the way, but. And uh, in, in the three years later, sparkling was one of my absolute passions. It's a very um, where where traditionally in the past the um, t- still table wine uh, uh, the creation is very much a, a art of cuisine. If you're comparing it to cooking, mm-hmm. and chefing, mm. um, whereas the art of sparkling is very much patisserie. Okay, you can't you can't go off piste <laughs> When you're doing patisserie, you know, right. the temperature or the mixes or the weights, oh, you know, it's you. a very, very precise art. Um, whereas, you know, cuisine, cuisine cooking, you can, you know, and that's, that's still table wine production and you can, you can still make it come together in the end by a bit of flair and, you know, yes. doing your thing. Whereas yeah. um, sparkling manufacturers, very much patisserie, very much Germanic, Ideology, yeah, and um, it's very precise, and, and because the in nature the wine is very, um, you know, it, it's it's very it's quite lean. There's no way to hide you make a mistake it's glaringly obvious um in all respects and and it's brutal (laughs) the results especially when you're dealing with carbonation and bubbles and all that sort of thing it's a whole new level of sophistication
0: yeah yeah okay Uh, and what uh varietal were were Morton using then oh uh,
1: the traditional traditional chardonnay pinot pinot mounier which you know like uh the um Pinot Meunier, it's it's funny. It's in 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 Champagne and in France, like it's seen as a, a bit of a, a, a an unnoble grape in comparison to your Pinot Noir and your Chardonnay, which are the real staple uh, forces in the Champagne blend. Um, the Pinot Meunier done in New Zealand is phenomenal. You know where where I think Chardonnay for New Zealand is struggles to be good. Like it's a, it's a, it's kind of like one in six years the Chardonnay is really good here for sparkling, where the Pinot is a really stable, uh, works ah, really okay. well. Mm. Whereas your Pinot Meunier, we found this little, and this and unfortunately it's not grown everywhere, so you don't you no. don't you don't really get. And because it's kind of hidden in a blend, the industry has kind of not known about this magical variety. That mm. actually what we saw in the little bit we had was phenomenal, and it just gave such. Texture and prettiness and ripeness, with all the right structural qualities for champagne oh, style. Okay, so sparkling style. Yeah.
0: And and what what um, so generally what sort of percentage would have been? That. Uh, well, the, oh God, it, well the, each
1: each vintage is different, but like is. the black label Morton back in uh, 2005, was 50% moon oh, wow. air and 50% noir and we kicked out the Chardonnay. Wow. Uh, and that was a real move away from the traditional. Mm. Uh, and you can, like I still see it lurking around um, in strange places and duty free and stuff like that. Yeah. So if you see a 2005 black Morton, grab it, it's sensational. Oh, okay. And it'll have like seven, you know, it's got nearly eight. Eight years, lees. You know, it's fantastic. Yeah. Very, yeah, very complex.
0: Yeah. Oh, cool. Okay, and then um, so that would that would have been a um, another piece of learning for you. So you would have enjoyed yeah. that doing the whole sparkling sparkling yep. thing.
1: Yep. yep. And uh, and it's it's uh, and at that stage at Morton also I was doing nearly uh, I was nearly thirteen chardonnays. So, it's like, you know, sort of uh, from black label to, you know, the white labels. like it was It was great, you know. I, you know the, I mean, New Zealand has a wash with fantastic New Zealand uh, Chardonnay vineyards. Uh, mm. And mm. we had some really um, unique little parcels, and especially the stuff um, that are on own roots, which, mm. uh, you mm. know, it's getting rarer here because the flocks was nailing them one by one sort right. of through the country. But yeah. um, if you've got them, enjoy them.
0: Right. Okay. in, in st- Morton, I think, still... The only winery to have um, vineyards in Bay of Plenty really aren't
1: they? Don't yeah, I oh no! Look, that 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 vineyards a bit of a show. Mm. It's it's um. It's not the Bay of Plenty is a horrific place. place to grow yeah, grapes. Yeah, you know, yeah. so if anyone's out there that you know is thinking, "Hey, I'm going to plant a vineyard in Bay of Plenty," Go you, know, you might food. as well sit down and whip yourself for a couple of hours.
0: <laughs> 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 it might be more worthwhile.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's too fertile, too wet. Yeah, you'll be spraying. Uh, just yeah, don't yeah. do it.
0: No, no. Okay, and and so what? What happened next for you? How long were you at Morton? For, then? Uh, nearly five, nearly six years. Okay, and then mm-hmm. um, we. Uh,
1: I wanted. I, I then was missing going like you know it's uh, I miss the small hands-on stuff. You know, you, as a winemaker, you know you get into the big stuff. It's great, but your people management and your computers. And um, I've always been hands-on and. Uh, um I wanted to get back into pretty much, you know, rolling barrels and, and making wine and also at Morton I was doing all sparkling, all Chardonnay and we were we were we were blending the we were doing all the blending and the uh, maturation of Pinot's, but we weren't doing the, the red fermentation. And uh, I really miss reds. You know, it's in, in Australia, I really made my name in the, in the, in the Merlots. And with, with the Merlots at, at Peppertree, we did things that no one else had done. Like we were doing, um, just by necessity, we were doing freaky stuff with macerations. And uh, I wanted to get, I, I realized I hadn't finished that journey on macerations okay. of yep. fruit. And so um, I believe that Pinot was going to be a great, Opportunity for this technique that had not been done, so um, I wanted to get to a serious peanut place. So I was off to Martinborough, in a small place where I could just do some weird, crazy stuff and and, and satisfy my my urges. Yeah,
0: yeah, good. <laughs> so where was that? Where, where uh, I did went you... down
1: to a little winery called Alana. Um, alas, it's, it's it's no longer now. It's it's um, uh, it's. Uh, I think the vineyard is now um, being made as Luna. I think it's a new. New, okay. New property down okay. There, and so we're
0: talking talking Martinborough much Ma- for our listeners just north of north of Wellington. That's great. Mm-hmm. It's a prime like the oh.
1: Alana Vineyard is this. It's it's uh oh, sensational and still um gives me goosebumps just thinking about this block. You know it's it's, it's right up there with the Parker block in Coonawarra in my book and um it it's opposite Dry River. It's it's on the Martinborough Terrace. And, and the, the Alana block is literally a, a promontory that pushes like a bow of a boat into, the, into the, uh, the river that comes from the eastern hills, which pretty much feeds the soil of the terrace that Martinborough sits on. It's like a waning moon. And, it, and that's what makes Martinborough so special is it's one of the few um, eastern sed- sedimentary terraces in New Zealand. And what that what it means is that it's it's formed from uh, risen seabed floor, so it's quite complex. And and from your position in that terrace and where you are, it sort of dictates the aggregate rock composition and therefore the moisture holding capacity. And um, so the vineyard was really uh, exciting as a as a soil, and also had over the top um, a low dune. So you, again. Um, which gave you differences uh, in the the fruit expression, um, and uh, and then we got to plant you know um, clone or that were kind of typical to to what we wanted to do, and um, uh, and the vineyard delivered. Yeah, it was really you know those those slower ripening seasons. You got to see the full transparency of those of the clone of the rootstock and the soil and and um, it was it was very freakishly good
0: <laughs> right yeah right okay and you got you got to do what you what you wanted yeah, to do yeah, yeah yeah
1: and I, yeah. I freaked a lot of people out it was obviously uh, and it, of course it, sort of in the, you know then we start getting into the strategies of of small uh, small production and, and and I think you know the it's really different and you know it's one thing to be a, a Brancot and a Morton where you you know you've been set up with these flashy, pieces of equipment from from um, uh, France and Italy of nice stainless steel conveyor belts and all that sort of stuff and um, when you are dealing with companies that are producing 100 tons 150 tons per season you just don't have that revenue to to do all these things and so you you know that's a real joy to me to actually um, create wines within the within your means mm-hmm. you know and 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 I, I guess that's a you know in our industry you see a lot of com- companies sort of living outside their means because they're supported by so much wealth that it doesn't matter you know and um, uh, at Alana, we've, we're very much into uh, making within the means. And so you just have to start. It's a bit like the Rutherford principles, you know. Ernest Rutherford did amazing stuff with right. some wire and timber, yeah. you know. Yeah. And, and out, of, out of that creativity, he, he led atomic mm. industry. Yeah. Um, and, and that's what you need to bring to the party in these smaller wineries. And mm. that's when it becomes really exciting.
0: We've been speaking with Chris Archer from Joy Wines, and that's part one of our two-part series with Chris. If you're wanting to find out more about Joy, that's dot We'll tell you more. And also be sure to check out part two of this conversation when that's up shortly. Uh, also have a look at the other great New Zealand wine podcasts that are up online talking with other winemakers, vineyard owners and founders, etc. And we look forward to your company again shortly. Thanks for listening in. Hey, corner my. Bye for now.